Well, a very good reason for uh, visiting Northumberland would be to uh, have a, a gentle pilgrimage to a little tombolo. Now, a tombolo is, um, in geographical terms, that piece of land that is an island twice a day. And we have one of those um, that was first uh, inhabited by a saint. Uh, and it has grown in stature because of that and because of its spiritual nature and the influence it's had um, on the spread of the Christian doctrine throughout the United Kingdom, that it has the title of Holy Island. It is, in fact, the largest of the Lindisfarne Farn Islands, the Farn Islands that you may well have visited uh, from sea houses. Um, and this is a, a two mile by two mile um, strip of land that becomes an island twice a day. Um, and as I said, it has the deepest and most profound effect on many of the visitors. And it is noted for the fact that any trouble that has taken onto the island, um, any mental anguish that is being suffered will be eradicated or certainly diluted um, and be uh, felt on departure from the island. So it's worth going to see for that alone. So let's start off in uh, along the Sea Houses Road, uh, uh, passing through Bamborough and admiring the castle once more and uh, seeing the church uh, dedicated to St. Aidan, which perhaps you've already been into, and the uh, Lifeboat Museum on the left-hand side. Um, carry on up the hill, uh, and when you get to the top, on your right-hand side, you may well see a bunch of demented souls um, wandering about in highly uh, visible clothes with uh, sticks and things in their hands. And these are golfers. These are golfers that are uh, on the uh, 12th green or the 13th tee of the wonderful golf course, the Bamborough Castle Golf Course, is perhaps one of the most scenic golf courses throughout the United Kingdom. Um, it's a little short in length, it's got six par threes, uh, it's devilishly cunningly laid out, and uh, it's very, very, very long on beauty. From the 15th tee, there are views to five different castles, wonderful view of all of the Far Islands, Bamborough Castle, um, all the way up to uh, Lindisfarne, your destination. So carry on down the hill. Um, as you go down on your right-hand side, through the trees, you'll see a huge strand of sand that takes your eye all the way over to the castle of Holy Island, which you're going to go and see. Um, but this beach is Ross Beach, and it is one of the finest uh, sand uh, beaches in Northumberland. But it takes a bit of getting to, so I'll tell you how to get there um, in a second. So when you get to the, uh, the bottom of the hill, on your right-hand side, uh, you'll see that you're in the cusp of a bay. Uh, and 
On its perimeters, there will be lots of cars with people with high-powered optics scanning the uh, what appears to be the horizon. But no, they're looking at all of the wading birds there. At low tide, there's a massive amount and a huge variety of wading birds that are in Beudel Bay. For that is where you are. Um, if you are of this inclination, you may stop and have a look at the legend on the side of the road that will um, identify all the birds that you might see there. Um, carry on uh, around the sort of corner bit. There's a signpost up to the uh, very fine hotel, um, which has actually appointed rooms, and uh, you would be most comfortable there. And of course, well fed and watered. But on your right-hand side, you uh, come across the most incongruous building. It's huge. It's uh, three stories high. Um, and this, in fact, was the old Wareham Mill, because you're about to cross the Wareham Burn, um, which uh, where Owen, the uh, jewel of the West, was killed. But it's another story. Um, anyway, Wareham Mill, the Wareham Burn, drove the hydroelectric power for it, and it uh, transformed all of the local fleeces from the Chevia sheep into felts that were used within the papermaking industry, and they were exported from the little jetty you might see that's still there in Beudel Bay. So, um, carry on round, keep bearing right. Um, you could, in fact, if you chose, go left. Uh, towards the A1, but best that you go uh, right, and after a couple of miles or so, you pass underneath the spindle stone crags. And were you to have visited Bamborough Castle, you would know that this is the lair of the Laidley Worm, the, uh, the poor uh, and beautiful princess that was uh, transformed into a uh, uh, a, a slithery worm by her wicked stepmother, the witch, who uh, currently inhabits the uh, the well in Bamborough Castle, having been transformed into that by uh, chilly wind. Uh, yet another tale. So past the crags, and instead of turning left, that would take you to the one. It's signpost. Um, for a couple of good reasons. One is that after about uh, half a mile, dead ahead of you, you will see what you think is a castle. And it is, in fact, a Lindisfarne castle. Although it's not a castle, it's a blockhouse in technical terms. But this is an optical sort of illusion because of the geography of the road and the island it appears that the castle is in the middle of the next field to you. Um, and it's uh, amazing because you keep looking for this and it isn't there uh, as the road goes on. But do stop and have a look at that. It's very curious. This is by the uh, uh, the farm at uh, Ellick. Um, you'll go uh, another half mile and there will be your finger post right to Ross, this wonderful beach that you've already seen. Uh, distance. If you were to uh, go half a mile down there, you might park your car 
but that's as near as you're going to get to the beach because um, you have to go through the farmyard and cross over the dunes before you can access the beach. But if you do that, you are so, so well rewarded. It is glorious. It's Hawaii, it's Bondi, it's Rio de Janeiro, it's everywhere else you've ever been. But the sand is stunning. Um, if you go left uh, up the beach, wonderful sand dunes for you and even the children to play in. Um, at the top end of the beach, you will come across a couple of huge, or well, not huge, but very substantial triangular built stone pillars. And these were built by the Royal Engineers in the 18th century to act as um, landmarks for those trying to navigate an entry into the tiny little harbour on the island of Lindisfarne. Um, and it's as you approach uh, the, the the land from the sea when you have these two towers in alignment that is the channel that you must uh, navigate to get into the harbour so any sailors amongst you can take note of that uh, if you were to just cross round the corner uh, you're in a, an oyster farm Linda's farm oysters are grown here and harvested on a daily basis the, uh, the four times a day tide nourishes these mollusks um, to a, a wonderful degree of uh, flavor and plumpness. Um, and if oysters are your thing, well, go no further. They are wonderful. And you might buy these if you so chose. However, um, onwards, onwards, um, through Ellick, the little farmhouse, uh, uh, farm cottages, sorry, on, on the right-hand side, there's a big, big hedge, but in the middle of that hedge is a stone. You won't see it from the road, but it's curious because it is the stone that marks the ecclesiastical boundary and the ecclesiastical authority of the monastic community in Lindisfarne, which, again, uh, paid homage to the authority of the bishopric of Durham. So this little village uh, and all the land up until Lindisfarne was technically part of the county palatine of Durham. So you're in the middle of Northumberland, but there in front of you is a bit of Durham. Um, follow along, passing over the railway line, coming to a T-junction where you must take great care because it's the A1. Um, this is a, another curiosity. Uh, in Northumberland, we have no motorways. I've got a few dual carriageways. We're very lucky about that. But the road in front of you, a single carriageway, is in fact the main road between two capital cities, effectively. It's the main road, the A1, between Edinburgh and London, and it's single carriageway. So the traffic is huge. So be very, very, very and more careful as you get out of that junction and turn right to go signposted to Berwick and Scotland. And there along the road, you will come to your next right turning, which will be uh, to your destination.
the holy island of Lindisfarne. To the holy island of Lindisfarne. Um, you may go directly up the A1 uh, and turn west, signposted at the Lindisfarne Inn, turn right and go to the island. But I'm giving you a longer route, which I'm sure you'll enjoy, leaving uh, sea houses on the B1340. Um, leave, go through Bamburgh uh, and leave Bearing Right down Radcliffe Road, passing the church on your right, and head up the hill towards Belford. Now, at the summit of the hill, if you look to your right, you may see some demented souls uh, playing golf. Uh, for this is the 12th green and the 13th tee of what must be one of the most scenic golf courses of all time, Bambra Castle Golf Course. Now, it may lack a little in length, for it has six par threes, but it is long on beauty. Um, you can, in fact, see five castles from its 15th tee. So continue down the hill and through the trees at about two o'clock you'll see a vast strand of sand shimmering in the sunlight. This is Ross Beach and beyond that is your destination, Holy Island, uh, with his castle so significant in the skyline. So I'll tell you how to get to Ross in a minute. But at the bottom of the hill you might see a number of parked cars uh, with the drivers scanning the horizon with some high-powered optics. Now these are the bird watchers who have come to watch the huge variety of wading birds that feed in Budel Bay. For that is its name, Budel Bay. Carried on down the road there is a lovely hotel at Wareham Mill on your left, which I commend you to. But then there's a large building on your right-hand side, three stories, huge and totally incongruous. This is, or was in fact, Wareham Mill, where in former times it was water-powered to produce from the local fleeces the flock and velvet used in the manufacture of paper. Nowadays it's been converted into luxury apartments uh, and commands the most wonderful position. Now after another of a couple of miles a left turn directs you to the A1 uh, to the north uh, and to Berwick but ignore this and keep bearing right along the road signposted to Ellick E-L W-I-C-K. Um, Elic is the uh, boundary of the ecclesiastical um, uh, authority of Lindisfarne to the bishopric at Durham. So it's strange. This is where the county of Durham boundaries in Northumberland. So you can see uh, a strange sight down the road to Elic. For there, in front of you, is a huge castle um, with no sign of uh, any water. 
and it is in fact Lindisfarne. It's an optical sort of illusion with the uh, um, geography of the ground, teasing you into believing that this is Lindis. This is a castle, which it is. It's on the mainland. No, it isn't, and we'll see later. So we uh, head down through uh, towards uh, Elik, and half a mile beyond the farm of uh, uh, Ross is its beach, and you must access this by turning right, and there's a finger post that directs you down the lane and where you may park at the bottom. Be warned, though, it's a good half-mile walk over the dunes to get to the beach. But when you are at the beach, you may walk almost all the way to Lindisfarne. You can almost touch it at its end, where you will find two pillars, monstrously big pillars that were built by the Royal Engineers in the early 1900s. And these are navigation points built that those at sea may use them as landmarks to secure the safe harbour at Lindisfarne. So, following the road uh, through uh, the Elik farm, you come over the railway line to the crossing at um, uh, for the A1. And the A1 is a massively busy road in the summer, so take immense care because you're going to turn right. Um, and after two miles or so, you will see on your right-hand side the Lindisfarne Inn, a wonderfully refurbished old hostelry which now has 22 letting bedrooms of a very high standard and serves delicious food. So at that point you turn uh, right, being obedient to the signpost, to the holy island of Lindisfarne. So having then gone over the, uh, um, the uh, railway line at Beale, which there used to be an old station, which was the only point of access for those travelling by train to visit or have a pilgrimage to uh, Holy Island, but is no longer there. There's a ruined dovecot you might see on your left-hand side before you go through what appears to be a farm, and it is the, the Beale farmhouse, and its barn has been converted into the most splendid coffee shop with a large car park in front. So you access this on the left um, and you're in for a treat. It really is a first-class resting spot. So as you stand in the car park or sit on the terrace of the uh, Barnet Beale, you gaze over at your destination, for there it is in all its glory. It is, indeed, the holy island of Lindisfarne. So, um, continue down uh, the road, and when you get to the bottom, on your uh, left-hand side there's a row of tank traps, which curiously enough have the same um, protection as a Grade two listed building, as the Priory you're about to see. Um, but there's a massive sign that tells you the most important information. It is the safe crossing times. And this tells you when it's safe for you to go over. 
And if the tide's out and it's your first time there, you might wonder what on earth they're talking about because you can't see the sea from anywhere. But believe me, it's going to come in like a rocket. Uh, and if you're caught and you have to be in the refuge and you have to call the sea house's lifeboat out to get you when you're standing on the car roof, don't blame me. It's blame you because it's there in black and white when you can and when you can't cross. So promise me you're going to read it. And, of course, more importantly, obey it. Now, have a look uh, at sort of one o'clock-ish and look over the sands and you'll see there's a row. In fact, there's 142 poles looking like telegraph poles. Um, but, strangely enough, without any wires on. And these mark what is known as the Pilgrim's Way. Because in former times, before the causeway, the um, motor causeway, was opened by Queen Elizabeth in uh, 1955, it was the only way to access the, uh, the island. Um, and again, for those that didn't believe the tide tables in those days, um, you'll see there's a little garden shed that's supported on stilts uh, as a refuge for those that get caught. This uh, Pilgrim's Way, incidentally, is the end of the uh, St Cuthbert's Way, that uh, marvellous walk that starts at Melrose, where St Cuthbert uh, began his uh, ecclesiastical life. So, you're, uh, you're on the island, um, and as you go over the tarmac, you look to your left and you'll see the high tide mark where all the seaweed is. And that does tell you that the water does actually cover the, uh, the causeway. Now your first signpost is on the left to a place called Snook Point. And you might go in there and if you can park your car for a while and walk directly over. It's one of the narrowest parts of the island. Walk over that uh, to the lovely beach and you can walk then all the way up to the... Uh, castle and the lime kilns um, and the white trig point that geographically positions the uh, the island. Um, be very careful though because if you've got the family pet with you, uh, it's a dog, I assume it would be, um, if it has a long coat it may well be very severely discomforted by the rogue New Zealand burr that is thick amongst the dunes um, and this will attach itself to your pet in seconds and cause the animal great distress and actually exhaust you in combing it out. When you get to the point that the Pilgrim's Way comes ashore um, about 50 yards up on your left is a much better track for you to go to the west of the island because that also takes you to its nature reserve where there are many wading and migratory birds for you to see. Now, perhaps before you embark on a wander through the sights that the island has in abundance for you, you might now want to reflect on the truth of the title given to this two-mile-by-two-mile strip of land, which in fact, in strict geographical terms, is a tombolo, Great quiz question. 
really shock the chaser with this one. Anyway, this little island has produced nine saints and 16 bishops in its history, the highest anywhere in Britain, and has two distinct strands of Christianity for you to explore. The first and the original strand came from St. Aidan, who, at the invitation of King Oswald in AD 635, um, he had sent to the island of Iona, um, where he had been brought up and educated in exile in the Colombian uh, Celtic Christianity, which of course is based on the Gospel of St. John and taught throughout Iona. Uh, which is why, of course, you see the Ionic cross in all of his statues. Now, the evangelical members of uh, this uh, church canvassed all of the north and even abroad to Germany, um, preaching from their crosses, um, as there were, of course, no churches built at that time. They preached the message that the God of Moses and the prophets had sent his son to teach love and harmony, and forgo earthly wealth in favour of spiritual calm. Uh, and they themselves had no uh, concept of ownership. Um, they were entirely medicant. Um, this continued um, even after the Synod of Whitby, which was held in AD 664, when the Northumbrian king Oswy adjudicated on the true date of Easter and the status of the tonsure. And it was his decision that the uh, Romanic Roman tradition uh, of St. Peter be the official Christian religion, that religion that was brought over uh, to Canterbury. So the island teachers, again, as I said, had no sense of material ownership and they relied on gifts of food and clothes to sustain their earthly lives. However, they um, manifested the most amazing ability in their creative skills of colour and form. For under... Bishop Edfrith and his illustrator, Athelwald, they created here the Lindisfarne Gospels, a divinely inspired and created work, and this was penned in the scriptorium of the, uh, the Abbey here um, in AD 698. And it was penned and illustrated to commemorate the lifting of St. Cuthbert's, Cuthbert's bones 11 years after his death uh, and is looked after for us, for those lovely people in the British Library in London, just in case we lose them. The Celtic tradition effectively um, ended in 793 um, when the monks could no longer sustain their island, for in that year 
Fiery dragons were seen in the air, as Bede tells us, and these dragons in fact were the prows of the Viking ships. The Northmen had come, and they had pillaged and murdered in their first ever raid on England and the United Kingdom in 793. So the Lindisfarne Gospels with the relics of St Oswald and St Aidan and St Cuthbert um, left the island in AD 875 as you can see it portrayed by that wonderful sculpture Fenwick Lawson um, in that moving uh, and deep, deeply uh, humbling pictorial representation of the fleeing monks carrying the coffin that held their relics and nothing more. Now you have to perhaps contrast this um, and not to be controversial but nonetheless uh, with the next Christian fraternity which arrived in AD 1093. 1093 was the uh, foundation stone laying um, of Durham Cathedral um, and it was um, the done thing in those days once you were building a cathedral to um, find out the local community's attitude to uh, uh, their own private saints as it were um, and uh, basically uh, purloin these spiritually. Uh, and to that end, they were wont to build uh, sister um, uh, monasteries uh, to the cathedral in order that they might, as I say, hijack the, uh, the, the local uh, saints. Now, um, this band of Benedictines, as they were, they built using the glorious sandstone, uh, the red sandstone, which quarried on the mainland at Gosic, the uh, the place of the goose. Uh, it's pretty soft, regrettably, and this is why it's weathered so badly. But it is a delight to see. So naturally, you would, uh, being royalty, enter through the royal doorway, um, and as you do, look upwards, and you'll see the wondrous uh, houndstooth carving. Um, the uh, custodian will take your ticket as you go in. But it might be the time then to think of the impact that this would have had on a pilgrim. Somebody that had perhaps set out from another side, like Canterbury, for example, had walked all the way up here, um, come over following the pilgrim's way, the, the, the poles, um, and having uh, deposited his arms and obligations, he... Uh, would be ushered in, and the sight must have been astonishing. All candlelit, hung with expensive drapes, uh, and all the monks, Gregorian chants ringing round. Um, it really must have been mystical. And some of that mystery still lingers, and can, I'm sure, be felt by all those that enter. Now, if you look skywards as you go into the uh, chancel, 
you can see it. there's only one surviving arch. It's the rainbow arch, uh, called really because it does resemble a rainbow, um, and it still has its houndstooth carvings. The uh, the remains of the pillars that uh, would support the uh, scriptorium, which was above the, the chancel here, um, are carved in exactly the same manner um, of the mother house, uh, Durham Cathedral. And those of you who've had the good fortune to Durham, to visit Durham, um, will recognise this. Now, a little to the um, uh, left of the altar um, was the... Uh, supposed site of the Chamber of Penitence, which was dug on behalf of King Keowulf, the king who swapped his crown for a crozier, because it was there that uh, the nun, Constance of Beverley, was immured, walled in the walls, for lifting her veil uh, for the night Marmion saying as the last stone was cemented around her, Come men of God and work your will, for I can suffer and be still. For be it slow or be it fast, it is but death that comes at last. Anyway, it just shows what could happen if you lifted your veil in those days. How times change. As you pass through the prior's dwelling, you will see the only fireplace in the entire building. And this was accessed only once a week um, by the monks as they held their weekly interview with the, uh, the prior. Now, as you head towards the kitchen area, you will have uh, a small three-foot-high wall on your left, which looks pretty innocuous. However, if you get down and look in the, at the centre of it, at the, uh, the wall facing in towards the priory, you will see there are two pagan heads carved there. And these were put there by the Masonic uh, tribe that, uh, that built the priory, were commissioned to build it, and uh, represented an each-way bet as to whether Christianity was superior to their own. The green man, of course, gets everywhere. So just beyond the bakery, and it's huge oven, it's a monstrous oven, which incidentally must have been the best job to have in the, uh, in the, the, the priory. To be the baker would mean that you could be by the uh, warmth all day. But uh, as you go through the door past the bakery, you would be into a a bustling courtyard, a huge courtyard that held the market, which was almost constant, and of the massive amount of pilgrims and the wares that they had brought with them for sale or exchange. The uh, site is now dominated by a wondrous sculpture by Fenwick Lawson, that marvellous ecclesiastical sculptor who has fashioned his vision of St. Cuthbert. Uh, the original was in beech, but this has been cast in bronze, and from its bronze colour has now gone to verdigris, a, um, a blue hue uh, it attaches itself to it. But if you look at its face, the, uh, the drawn 
features of sheer certainty um, of St. Cuthbert and the, and the look of his clasped hands. Um, you can see surely this was a man that uh, held a huge sway within his Christian conviction. And see, while you have a look at the statue, if you can spot the ever-present Cuddy's duck. Now, as you walk out of the king's door, up to the steps on your right is a curious block of stone. with a, It's a carved base with a hollowed centre. And this is actually called the petting stone. It's the... Uh, it's the uh, the base of a, uh, a holder for the uh, cross of St. Cuthbert, his preaching cross. And each bride that is married in the church, even to this day, must be lifted over it as she emerges from the church to ensure her even temper. And you may see a photograph of this um, in the Islands Heritage Centre, um, of course, there's no obligation for the groom to leap the stone, and I wonder what the Equalities Commission would make of this. So it's now time for you to visit the church, which is dedicated to uh, St. Mary, and was built uh, on the site of the church that was originally here, that in itself was built in 1145, and that was built to serve the spiritual needs of the artisans who built the priory. Um, it's curious, isn't it, that uh, you had to build a church when you were uh, uh, building a priory. But however, um, these were the needs in those days. As you get into the church, uh, the thing that will have the most immediate impact upon you will be the bronze uh, carving again, of that master uh, of ecclesiastical carving, Fenwick Lawson. And this is of the monks leaving Lindisfarne with their relics in a coffin as they finally left the island in 875. Um, now, at the top of the altar is a copy of William Bell Scott's painting of King Egfrith on the island of Coquit entreating St Cuthbert to accept the bishopric of Lindisfarne. Now, the original of this may be seen in Wallington Hall, and I hope you'll accompany me there on one of your days out. If you turn right at the exit of the church and go by the side gate and cross the road straight away and through the gate, um, and you will see slightly to your left St. Cuthbert's Island, the, the, the remains of a little oratory and a cross. Um, and this also is a tombolo because this is an island twice a day. Um, and this is the uh, original retreat of St. Cuthbert before he felt a bit crowded and then went all the way to the inner farm. Um, he's described by Sir Walter Scott as weaving the seaborne beads that bear his name. Now these are very tiny beads, are actually the fossilised stems of um, lilies, but they do make an excellent rosary. So it's time to go around the museum.
this is uh, a largely pictorial display and charts the progress of the Christian heritage and its evolution, and revolution indeed, from St. Aidan to the dissolution of the monasteries in 1558. And it's lovingly cared for by English heritage. The principal piece of authentic history is the famous Viking tombstone found on the island. It portrays on one side of the cross um, the sun and the moon and the cross, of course, and whilst on the obverse it has a carving of a marauding band of Vikings, which were clearly the author of the stone's misfortune. Now the one thing that the Vikings did for us, as they say in the life of Brian, was to leave us the recipe for mead, um, that wonder of fermentation, the fermentation of honey. It seemed to work wonders for the Vikings, so it must be worth a visit to St. Aidan's Winery, where Lindisfarne Mead, that celebrated brew, is, uh, is made. And you even get a small free tot as a sample. They also have a host of local delicatessen products available, and the gift shop will uh, help you in your prezi buying. Next, perhaps a visit to the post office, which will allow you to uh, send a postcard, the ones that you promised, but these will be quite interesting because they're stamped Holy Island. And next door, you'll be uh, enchanted by the calmness of the splendid St Cuthbert's Garden, which won a prize at the Chelsea Flower Show. Cross over the street and ooh, 20 yards down you'll come across the Island Heritage of Island Life Centre, um, which is supported by the local community. Um, now, as well as a, a set of very interesting interactive tableau which describe the life of the island, there is a room which is dedicated exclusively to the digitised copies of the Lindisfarne Gospels um, and it's fully touch screen navigation um, which I think is a, a wonder of its age anyway so you may explore in great depth the genius which created these m magnificent works of art so passing the ship pub on the left means that you haven't gone into the lovely little git gift shop which is Celtic Crafts has an, an amazing array of uh, well um, displayed uh, gifts and uh, keepsakes uh, from the island and uh, next door is the Pilgrim's Cafe um, which actually smokes or, or roasts its own coffee so it doesn't get much better than that. And all of their food that they serve is fresh on a daily basis and is absolutely delicious. However, as I say, don't uh, pass the ship pub unless you want a little uh, garden that uh, will serve you their uh, 
sumptuous sandwiches, so you may well uh, not flag for the rest of your journey. So you've got another stop to, to make, you've got to go to the castle. Now the castle isn't in fact a castle, it is a blockhouse. Uh, and it was constructed in 1550 after Queen Elizabeth I's edict that every English harbour should be fortified against the expected attack from Spain. So uh, this blockhouse was built on the promontory. Now it was once uh, taken in the Jacobite Rebellion when a couple of, uh, of the lads, uh, the Jacobites, had appeared in the harbour on a sailboat uh, and posing as barbers and the uh, the guards from the uh, uh, the castle came down to get their hair cut apparently and they had a couple of dry sherries just before the evening meal um, and uh, clearly the drink got a hold of them and they forgot about uh, guarding the castle so the two lads went into the castle and claimed it uh, for uh, the Jacobites and flew the rebel flag for a bit of a giggle. Anyway, they stayed there for two days until a, a detachment of dragoons from Berwick um, came across the causeway and they took the flag and uh, scampered. But the castle is amazing in its remodelling of its interior by Sir Edwin Lutyens, a wonderful architect, he imposed a baronial style on it, uh, lots of heavy oak and uh, um, furnishings. The uh, National Trust uh, do an excellent job in looking after this and uh, also they contribute uh, from their gardens in Wallington Hall to the castle gardens here which were laid out by that wonderful lady, Gertrude Jekyll. And you may go to these gardens because they're entirely self-contained and separate from the castle. They're uh, a couple of hundred yards over in the field and they look like a sheep pen, but they're not. They're full of uh, vegetables and flowers in tandem, as was Gertrude Jekyll's wont. A little further on beyond the castle are the lime kilns, which are of the similar design to those to be found in Bedenal, and they represent an attempt on the island to capitalise on the need, the great need for cement, um, as there was a, uh, a stream and a, uh, of, uh, a, a seam of coal um, and uh, a stream of limestone um, contiguous to each other, which allowed them to be mined in tandem. Uh, and exported to the benefit of the islanders. So that's just about it really. You're uh, hopefully just in time to uh, make the uh, regrettable leaving wave to this holy island. And uh, if you're not quick, you might have to look for a B&B. &B.